Hey, this is Paul Doherty. I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. Come on. We started a new series last week called The Anatomy of the Believer. We talked about the eyeball, how the eye affects your whole life. We're looking at different anatomical, that's a big word, anatomical, different parts of our body that affect our spirit. Today, I want to talk to you about the mouth. And if you're taking notes, you could just write this down, Lord, help my big mouth. Lord, help my big, how many of you guys would pray that prayer over yourself or those that are sitting next to you? Lord, help her big mouth, his big mouth. No, I'm just kidding. I got a question for the men in the room. Have you ever asked a lady when her baby was due, only to find out that she was not pregnant. <laughs> Has this happened to any other guy besides me out there? This, this is those moments where you just put your foot in your mouth, you just, you're trying to figure out how to get, this happens to me, like this should only happen once in a man's life. This has happened multiple times to me. And I'm praying it will never happen again because it is so embarrassing. And, and it happened just in the last year, a close friend of ours. Uh, I, what happened was, is, I walked up to my close friend's wife and I said, hey, what is the baby doing? I was only looking at her eyes. I wasn't looking at her stomach. And I just was, you know, a lot had been going on. Life had been very busy. We got two kids, stuff. And she goes, Paul, we had our baby two months ago. And I was like, hey, that's right. She's like, you brought us a gift. I was like, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I knew that. She was like, does something does it look, and I was like, no, no, I wasn't even looking at your stomach, nope, I was looking at your eyes, and you know, I'm trying to, I go, trust me, you look great, God bless you, God's good, Lord, help my big mouth. How many have ever said some things that you kind of are like trying to retrace, reback up your words? This happens regularly to me, and uh, I remember being on a boat one time with my dad, and Dino Hux, who comes to the 9 a.m. service, and, and my dad, my brother, myself, Dino, and, and this man named Delmer. We were all on a boat in southern Oklahoma. We were fishing, and Delmer just kept saying all kinds of words. He kept saying every cuss word you could think of, cuss words that you wouldn't even put together. He was just saying them. And John and I, you know, we're 18, 19 years old and on the boat. And Dino's like, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know he was going to talk like this. But every time he would say a cuss word, my dad would say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And you know, it was so funny because I'd just be like, dad, it's okay. And dad was like, nope, for every word he says, I'm going to say a bunch of praise the Lord's. Finally, Delmer looks at him and he goes, why do you keep on saying the blankety-blank stuff, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah? And my dad said, because I got to make up for all the cuss words you keep saying. <laughs> and he, he got to talk to Delmer. He got to witness to Delmer. You know, and I think about how all of us in this place, at some point in our life, we've said words that we shouldn't say. How many have been there before? You've said things you shouldn't say, and, and God cares about the words we say. Our words, our tongue has power. The Bible talks about the mouth and the tongue 552 times it shows up in scripture. That, that your mouth, your tongue literally determines the outcome of your life. That the words you speak will become the life that you live. My communication determines my destination. Let's say that together. My communication determines my destination. You say, no, I don't believe in that name it, claim it, speak it, and walk into it kind of stuff or whatever it is. Yeah, but it's biblical. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue can bring death 
or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Proverbs 13 says, a person will eat the fruit of their lips. In other words, you will have what you say. Now, this is good if you're talking good about your life. If you're saying, Lord, I thank you that my mind is sharp. I thank you, God, that I am teachable. I am respectful. I walk in grace. I walk in truth. Lord, I thank you that my family is free of strife, that we have peace in our house. Lord, I thank you I'm getting healthier. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Lord, I thank you I'm confident. I'm more than a conqueror. Lord, I thank you, God, that I'm bold. Lord, I thank you I'm bold as a lion. God, I thank you, Lord, that my mouth belongs to my ears. That's good because you're going to eat the fruit of your lips. But if you're saying things like, things never work out good for me, I'll probably be the first one to go in this company if they have layoffs. My kids drive me crazy. It's just insanity here. Nobody listens to me. I never can make up my mind. I'm always fickle about this. Every time you say those words, you are literally prophesying over your future. You are prophesying over your mind. When you say, man, I just can never make up my mind, or he just always says that he never finishes projects, you are prophesying over your husband. You're prophesying over your wife. And if you don't like what you're seeing, you need to change your prophetic words that you've been speaking. If you're not liking how things look right now in your finances, your body. You know, I heard this, this story about this guy who would always say, man, uh, I just feel fat. I feel like I'm getting older. I feel like I'm always losing my hair. I'm just getting balder, fatter, and older. Just say that all the time. And uh, about 10 years after saying that, he started living into the prophetic words he was saying. More and more, fatter, older, balder. Listen, you need to start speaking over yourself. Lord, I thank you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am healthy. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're helping me choose the right food to eat. Lord, I thank you my hair is growing strong on my head. Lord, I thank you, God, that I'm getting in shape. Lord, I thank you, God, that I have peace, that I can make up my mind. I am not a double-minded man. I am not an indecisive, confused, fickle person. Lord, I thank you, God, that I walk in clarity with vision, with purpose. God, on the things that I set out to do. Lord, if the company's making layoffs, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'll be promoted. I won't be let go. God, I'll get a higher paid position. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that everything I touch, it prospers. You need to start prophesying what you're believing. Now, some people say, well, I just kind of call it like I see it. There was this man named Nick who worked in the railroad yard and and one day he was boxing up all kinds of stuff to put on the railroad cart. It was a refrigerated cart, or so he thought. And as he was putting stuff on the cart, the door shut behind him. It was towards the end of the day. He worked there, and when the door shut, it locked. He began to bang on the door and scream, and he realized all the, the other employees, his coworkers, they were leaving for the day. Now, this was a Friday. They wouldn't be back until Monday. And he starts thinking to himself, I'm trapped in a refrigerated cart. No one's coming back for the next few days. I'm going to die in this cart. Now, it's one thing to think something. It's another thing to vocalize what you think. Just because a thought comes to your mind doesn't mean you have to speak it out. But he began to speak out what he was thinking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. That's what he started saying over and over. He, and then he starts writing out his last words. He began to write out his death sentence. People came the next day, and they found Nick. He was frozen to death. The interesting thing was the, the, the cart itself was not a refrigerated cart. It had been unplugged for months. The temperature in the cart was 70 degrees, normal temperature, you know, to sleep, sleep in. And it had enough air for him to breathe in there for multiple days. 
He did not have to die that night, but he prophesied over his future because he got so overwhelmed in a temporary setback. So many people are prophesying their future because of a temporary setback. What are you speaking? Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 36, that all of us will give an accounting on the day of judgment for every careless word we speak. The average human being speaks 16,000 words a day. 16,000 words a day. One-fifth of our life is spent talking, talking. People love to talk. People just love to talk. If you were to be recorded, scientists have said, if, if they were to record every word you said this next year, you could fill up 66 books with 800 pages full of words. That's how much we talk. Now, what if we started talking the right words over others, over ourselves? Our words are not equally weighted. The same words that could be spoken that are positive do not weigh as heavier as words that are negative. You could tell me a thousand compliments, but you say one negative word, I'm going to believe and and I'm going to remember that one negative word more than the thousand compliments. How many of you guys have ever received just a word of criticism from someone and it just stuck in your head and you just kept it on repeat, right? There was a famous guy who went to a, a Yankees baseball game. In fact, he was the writer, the director of Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm. His name was Larry David. He went to a, a Yankees game, and there was 50,000 fans. They put his face on the jumbotron, and people started chanting, Larry, Larry, we love Seinfeld, we love... And he's, you know, feeling affirmed, he's feeling loved, he's smiling, waving at everybody. But as he was leaving the baseball stadium that day, one fan drove past him. And said, you stink, Larry. And he said, for the next year, he went down a spiral of depression. He said, one critic silenced 50,000 screaming fans. Right now, the number one reason why most young people that have committed a very grievous decision for their life, they've taken their life, is because of cyberbullying, the bullying of words. Words have power. Words can crush a child's spirit. Words can crush a woman's confidence. Words can even crush a grown man's heart. He might put off this, you know, vibe of I'm strong, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Bull-loney. Words hurt. Words hurt worse than sticks and stones. Words can sit in your heart and sting and cause you to feel so unworthy. We wonder where the cyberbullying starts. It starts at home. It starts with sarcastic, racist, prejudiced words that are being spewed out at home against girls, against boys, against people of different races. And so these kids, they carry it into their school. And these words, they have so much power and negative words weigh heavier than positive words. Here's the second thing is that words are not just equal, unequally weighted. The source of words is unequally weighted. Like, I could say something to you very nice and kind. I could say, man, you are a mighty man of God. I'm so proud of you, Daniel, getting baptized in the tank. I said this one time to a teenager, a young teenage boy. I said, you are doing so great. I love seeing what God's doing in your life. You know what he said? He said, man, I wish my dad would say that. Why? Because dad's words weigh 500 pounds heavier than Pastor Paul's words. Mom's Your words weigh so heavy in the hearts and the minds of children. Dads, your words might be the heaviest 
And maybe that's, that's why currently our world needs more dads that will affirm their children. And, and the problem is, oftentimes, it's not even that we're saying the mean words or saying the wrong words. It's that we're not saying the right words. I remember seeing this movie in college called Bucket List, and there was this moment where this dad just needed to go to his daughter and say, I'm sorry, but his pride would not allow him. And so they start playing this song, say what you need to say, say what you need to say. And it's like the whole point is like, you need to say, I'm sorry, but your pride won't even let you say the words that you know you need to say. And there's this fear, I just, I can't say I love you. I grew up in a house where we don't say those kinds of lovey-dovey sentimental words. Yeah, but you can change that cycle. You can break that generational curse of not speaking love and life. You don't have to repeat what your dad did. It's a new day. And your kids are craving your affirmation. Your words are heavy, dads. Your mom, moms, your words are heavy. For all the teachers and coaches in the room, if you're a teacher or a coach at a public school, private school, homeschool co-op, would you stand up? I want to cheer on all the teachers that are starting off the school year. Coaches, principals, administrators, superintendents. Keep standing. Come on. How many are thankful for your teachers growing up? I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the words of Mrs. Watts in first grade, Mrs. Ramirez in fifth grade, Miss D'Alessandro in third grade, Coach Wakely in seventh grade, Coach Mercier in ninth grade. Yeah, Coach Mercier too. Miss McIntosh in the art class. See, people's words, they affect who we become. Our words are the most, your tongue is the most powerful weapon in your body. You can use it for good or use it for bad. But it's your choice. And the source of words is not equally weighted. Teachers, coaches, you guys get to speak some words over who these children become. And you might be the only one in their life that's saying some positive words over them. Here's the thing. Your words over yourself matter. You can't live a victorious life with a defeated mouth. You can't live a positive life with a negative mouth. And the reality is all of us are tempted to say words we don't mean. Even Isaiah the prophet, one of the greatest orators of his time, who said some incredible words, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, the government will be on his shoulders. He also said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He also said, in fact, the message version says, I'm a man with a dirty mouth. He understood the same mouth that can speak great words also has the potential to say some pretty hurtful words too. So I've got to watch my mouth. Lord, help my big mouth. <laughs> Lastly, that the recovery time for words that have been spoken is not equally weighted. There are certain words that are said that take a long time for people to recover from. I've done this before with my own wife. And in our marriage, there's been times where I just, I wish I could pull the words back in. I said something I shouldn't have said. It was in the heat of an argument, the heat of a moment. And then we use our words to defend the words that we shouldn't have said. Now we use words to defend the words that we said, right? So I'm going, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. How many of y'all have ever said that before? I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Only three of us in the room? Man, you guys are perfect out there. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Some people might even say, I, I wasn't even in my right. I was drunk. I didn't mean what I said. It was just came out, man. I, I grew up in a house where we're just sarcastic. Oh, man. Sarcasm doesn't help anybody. Sarcasm doesn't make your sons tougher. Sarcasm makes it t 
tougher for you to connect with your sons. Sarcasm doesn't make your daughter smarter. Sarcasm makes it tougher for your daughter to connect with her children someday because this cycle of sarcastic words. And then we say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Come on, why aren't you getting over it? And we expect people to just immediately get over words that were hurtful. And what Ashley's helped me to realize, <laughs> I forgive you, but let me just heal. Let me just heal from what was said. Let me just heal. And what we all need to practice is in moments when we've said things we shouldn't have said, first of all, that we would swallow our pride and say, I'm sorry. Let's say that together. I'm sorry. Now, once you say that, give people time. Give people time. Like, don't demand them to immediately get over it and forgive you and be your biggest cheerleader. People need some time for a moment. That's okay. That's okay. They, I can forgive someone who has said some mean things to me, but I may not immediately just go up and smile and go, eh, I love you. I'm going to tweet all about you and talk about how awesome you are. Like, hold up. Let's, let's rebuild some. Let's, for every negative word you say, you need to say 10,000 positive words to cover it. You're like, 10,000? Yeah, you say 16,000 words a day, so just add it in the 16,000. You can do it in one week, I promise you. Just say, I love you, I love you, you're special, you're kind, you're beautiful, I'm so thankful for you. Every day, let's say words that build people up. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, don't be so quick to become a teacher or a preacher because your words will be very, there, there will be a higher responsibility and accountability for people who talk more publicly, right? So on my life, on anyone out there who's speaking, who's leading, we've got to recognize that this is a major responsibility for our words. But all of us in this room affect somebody. All of us impact somebody. James goes on to say in verse 2, he says, um, how do you control the mouth? If you could control your mouth, you could control your life. Your communication literally determines your destination. If you could just get a hold of your tongue, you could determine where your life goes. And then he says, we can control all kinds of animals, reptiles. You know, in modern day, right now, people have learned how to control sharks. They've learned how to control whales. They've learned how to control alligators. You can go to certain parks and pet alligators that they have tamed. But James says, who can control the tongue? One word is like a tiny spark that starts a huge forest fire, James says. Just last night, I was talking to a family who lives in Northern California, and they're, they're part of our church. But they were there this summer when a fire started in Redding, California. The biggest fire in California's history happened this summer. More acres, more beauty was destroyed this summer in California than ever in the history of their state. And it started with one man. One guy was weed-eating his lawn near the forest, and something went wrong, one little spark, and he didn't know what to do. He couldn't control it. It just took off. Words can start wars. Words can start marriages. Words can end marriages. Words can destroy careers. Words, listen, in Proverbs chapter 6, it says there's six things that God hates, seven things that are an abomination. Three of the seven things all have to do with our words. It says God cannot, it doesn't say he cannot stand the person, cannot stand the practice of lying. When someone lies with their tongue, when they try to get themselves out of something and, and they, they just keep on making up more false things that aren't even true. 
God says, I love the person, but I just can't stand the lying tongue. It breaks my heart. Second thing is slander. You could ruin a person's reputation and not even be in the same room as them. Right? People do this all the time. They go online and they say the most slanderous accusations against other people. And we've got to be careful what we say about others. Because Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 22, you will give an account for every careless word you speak. That's not just for pastors. That's not just for missionaries. That's for moms, dads, teenagers, children, college students, grandparents. All of us one day will stand before God for all the words we've said. This should not condemn you. This should convict you to make a change today and to say from this day forward, Lord, help me to speak words that bring life. Help me to speak words that bring hope. Help me, God, to release prophetic, Lord, anointings over my future and over those around me. So I want to give you really quickly three ways to let God help your big mouth. Three ways to let God help my big mouth, save my big mouth. Number one, remember your power. Remember your power. As soon as you're about to say something that you think you shouldn't say, as soon as you're about to mouth off to your parents, just remember there's consequences for those words. There's consequence. There's power in words. When my son mouths off to me, I don't put his mouth in timeout. I put his whole body in timeout. Your mouth doesn't just get your mouth in trouble. Your mouth gets your whole life in trouble. When you mouth off to your boss, he doesn't fire your mouth. He fires you. Before you send that email to your supervisor, before you text your spouse what you're about to say, before you mouth off back at your child, just remember there's power. It doesn't just affect your mouth. It affects your whole life. It affects the relationship. It affects the intimacy in the house. It affects the environment. Our words carry so much power. So if I remember the power, I in that moment can decide I have a choice. No one can control what I say. It is my choice to say something mean right now or to say something nice. I'm holding the microphone. I could say words right now that would end my career. Someone would come up next week and go, you remember that guy, Paul? He was a good guy, but man, when he said that, God bless him, we got a new pastor here, right? That's, that's how much words have power. They're like, they're literally removing people from roles and leadership places all because of words. And we think, well, I don't have a microphone in my mouth, so I can say whatever I want. First Amendment. <laughs> By the way, the First Amendment was not made so you could say whatever you want, whenever you want, to whoever you want, however you want. The First Amendment was honestly made for Christians to speak praises to their God in the, in the United States of America. But what's happened is people have twisted it. And they said, well, I could say whatever I want to say on Twitter. I could say whatever I want to say to my teacher. I could say whatever I want to say to other people. And it's like, there's consequences, man. There's consequences. There's consequences with that daughter. And every time we say something, we release something into their future. We release something into their spirit. Remember your power. Number two, surrender your power. Surrender your power. If you know you have power, James said your tongue is the most powerful part of your body. Proverbs says your tongue literally charts the course for your life. Your tongue, your mouth, it affects where your life goes. So David, he understood this. He knew that he could write some of the greatest psalms, but he could also say some of the meanest, hurtful words. So he prayed this prayer in Psalm 19, verse 14. This was his surrender. He said, Lord, may the words of my mouth, yeah, the words of my big mouth, 
and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. When you're about to say something that you know could cause some hurt, could do some damage to your life, even over yourself, even when no one's around, when you're about to say, ah, man, my best days are behind me. I'll never get this job. I don't even know what to do. I'm so fickle. I'm always, stop speaking double-mindedness over yourself. Start speaking clarity. Stop confessing anxiety and confusion and stress over your life. Stop declaring things over others that are negative. Stop declaring negative things over yourself. You can't live a positive life with a negative mouth. So David prays, Lord, may the words of my mouth, I surrender them. Lord, I surrender my mouth to you. And the meditations of my heart, because the mouth speaks what's going on in the heart. The mouth is just the, what's declaring what's happening in the heart. So, Lord, cleanse my heart of jealousy, envy, comparison, depression. Lord, feeling like I'm never going to get there, feeling like a failure. Lord, cleanse my heart of every toxic label that's been placed on me. All the mean words that have said, been said over me. Lord, I don't want to repeat the hate. I don't want to repeat that speech, that language. God, remove the cusser out of my mouth. Lord, help me to stop saying those cuss words. Come on, if you'll start praying over your mouth, you'll start changing the words you're saying. How many would like to start speaking some more positive words over yourself? How many would like to have a better control over your mouth in heated arguments, heated disagreements with family members or people on the opposite side of your beliefs, right? The third, the third area that, um, that God hates, so, so he hates people, he doesn't hate people, but he, he hates the idea of lying, the practice of lying slander. The third thing is divisive speech. Divisive speech. People who spread division with their words, stir up divisiveness. This is happening right now in America. And listen, we pray for every person in office. We've been doing this for a long time. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our government. We pray for those that God has placed and what our nation has placed. But we don't condone speech that is mean and hurtful towards other people of whatever race or whatever tribe or tongue or country they came from. When you come to this church, you are valuable, whether you're 90 years old or nine years old, whether you're a baby or a grandma or a grandpa, male or female, black or white, Asian, Hispanic, no matter who you are or where you came from, we will speak with honor and dignity about you and about your family. And we will not put up with speech that just is mean and full of bigotry. We're not gonna do that. That's not our calling. As the anatomy of the believer means that my mouth belongs to God and I will not use it to tear people down. So number three, use your power for good. I want the band to come up. Use your power for good. If you know you have power, use it for good. Use it to build people up. Ephesians 4 verse 28 says, if you've been stealing, stop stealing. <laughs> Okay, good, good. <laughs> I get it. But then he says this. I love this. He gives you an alternative. He says, don't just stop stealing. Do something good with your hands. Paul knew that we all have this energy inside of us. If the tongue is restless and it's always going to be moving, then Paul knows you can't just stop it, but you can channel it to do something good. If your hands are excited and your hands are always wanting to do something, you can't just like stop your hands from doing things but you can channel the energy in your hands from stealing or from doing things that are evil or wicked with your hands to doing something that's good. So then he says in verse 29, and with your mouth, with your language, don't use foul, abusive words, verbal abuse towards those people in your life. 
Don't use it over yourself. We can abuse ourselves with our words. Man, I've been there before. Paul says, I'm not telling you to shut your mouth. I'm telling you how to use your mouth. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. Your words will build up those who listen. Recently in Tulsa, I've been seeing a lot of construction going on. People building buildings and houses and road construction. And I'm looking at the materials. They're pouring the concrete. They're laying in, you know, the pillars and they're putting in drywall and paint, every, all those materials. Imagine if our words were working material on a construction site. Imagine that our words are building up a house. You're building up a Chip and Joe Gaines fixer-upper house. Every time you speak words over your wife, over your daughter, you are beautiful. I am so thankful for you. I am proud of you. Why are you proud of me? What did I do that you're proud of? I'm just, I'm so thankful that you're my child. You are amazing. Why? Why am I amazing? What did I do? You know what? I just decided to change my language. I'm going to start speaking words of life. That's ridiculous and cheesy. Well, it's better than me being mean and sarcastic. So I'm going to start speaking all kinds of life-giving, positive words. When I walk into this, I'm going to start building up houses all around me. My three boys, I'm going to start building up the next Cityplex Towers with my Liam, Beniah, and Mac. Right? I'm speaking life over them. Come on. Liam, you're a mighty man of God. Beniah, you're more than a conqueror. Mac, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit you together in your mother's womb. He had a plan and a purpose. You're here on purpose because you have a purpose. The victory confession came during a time where I was in some major, dark, negative words over my life. I drove up to our church on a Saturday night. There was just a few hundred people in the room and I just felt so discouraged in that season. And I just said, man, our best days are behind us. I literally said that. I said, man, I just, uh, I just started saying all kinds of things. And I don't know why I said it, but it was just coming out of my mouth. I knew better than that, but I was saying negative words and I heard the Holy Spirit just whispered in my heart. It wasn't audible, but it was just this prompting. Change the narrative. Change the narrative. Change what you're saying. But I didn't feel like changing it. Sometimes you have to talk yourself into something before you believe it. So I took a napkin and a pen. I wrote down, I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. And then I was like, no, I don't even believe that. I scratched it out. God said, write it again. Okay, I'm here on, I'm not an accident. And this season is not an accident. God has a purpose for my life. And God's not finished with me yet. God's not finished with my family. God's not finished with victory. God's not finished with our ministry. God's not finished with our school. God's not finished with our TV ministry. God's not finished with the plans. And then I heard God say, your best days are right in front of you. But I didn't believe that. But God was saying, you gotta change your words. Stop talking about where you're at. Start talking about where you're going. Stop describing our nation and start prophesying over our nation. Stop describing the current state of your marriage and start prophesying where your marriage is going. We're blessed. We're debt free. We are the lender. We are not the borrower. Come on, we're walking in victory. I am free from all of these things that I've been bound. You got to start declaring where you're going, where your children are going. In 1 Kings 18, verse 41, Elijah did this, the prophet. He looked out to the sky and he looked at this man and it had not rained in Israel for three years. It had been a drought. 
been a famine. They needed rain. And it was Elijah's words that had turned off the rain. His words had that much power. He said, the rain's going to stop, and it stopped. Well, now they needed rain. He needed to use those words again to bring the rain back on. And he looks at King Ahab, a wicked king, and he says, go eat and drink something because I hear the sound of a mighty rainstorm coming. Now, when he said that, there was not a cloud in the sky. There was not even a sprinkle or a drop of rain. But what was he doing? He was prophesying what was about to come. I hear the sound. And he was saying, it's not enough to just think it. You've got to speak it. It's not enough to just think, man, my son's a champion. Tell him he's a champion. It's not enough to just think, man, my wife's so pretty. Tell her she's pretty. It's not enough to just think, I hope I succeed. Start declaring. In fact, write yourself a fake check. Put it up on the wall and say, someday, that's the check I'm going to receive for the company that I, I will own this company. In fact, I will not be a borrower another day in my life. There's more in store for my I'm going to be blessed to be a blessing. Right? And so Elijah says, I hear the sound of rain. And then he turns to his servant in verse 43. He says, go check. Go check. Go, 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 go see. Because I hear it. So the servant's excited. If Elijah said it, it's going to happen. So he runs back there. He's so excited. Okay, Elijah, I'm going to go check. I'm going to go check, man. Okay. Uh, uh, I know you said it, but I don't see it. Where is it? Where's the clouds? There's no rain, Elijah. Elijah says, okay, all right, all right. So he gets back down on his knees and he starts praying. And he says, Lord, I thank you that the rain is coming. So often we stop after saying it one time because we didn't see the results. We pray for healing and then we give up because it didn't work one time. See, I believe that God is still the healer. I believe that God is still the provider. I believe that God still does miracles in this church, in my family, in my health, in my children. I believe God's bigger than a wheelchair. I believe God's greater than cancer. I believe God can still heal marriages on the other side of divorce. I believe that God can do things that just seem unheard of. So Elijah tells his servant, I know you don't see it, but go check again. So he goes, okay, I'll go back and check again. I'll go back and check again. All right. I'll go a little bit higher this time. Uh, Elijah, I mean, we should just be content, man. Like, this is good. We've reached our limit. Just, I don't want to get your hopes up. There's, there's really no rain. There's no clouds in the sky. Let's just be happy with how far we've come. Let's just stop right here. Let's just stop talking about what could happen. Let's just be thankful for what has happened. It wasn't about an ingratitude or a discontentment with life. It was that Elijah saw that there was more in store for Israel. There was more in store for the ministry that God had placed in his heart. I believe there's people in this room, you've succeeded, but God says, don't stop there. Don't stop there. Some of you, you reached your goals. You wrote your book. You, you, your company, it made a million dollars. God says, don't stop there. I've got more in store for your ministry. I want you to start more churches, build more orphanages. I want you to send more kids to school. I want you to scholarship more teenagers. I want you to get more universities started across. I want you to help fund some future missions that God wants to do through you. Some of us, we've just kind of settled after the third attempt, hey, come on, Elijah, let's, let's stop talking about it. I, I still hear the sound of a rainstorm coming. I still see it. 
See, I believe that what we saw at the Victory Conference was just a little tease of where God's taking this church. I believe there's going to be lines around the building, not just at Victory Conference, not just at Easter or Christmas, but why not for a regular weekend? Why not believe that God can do more? You're going to have to get a bigger boat. You're going to have to prepare for greater increase. Some of you in this room, God will use to become billionaires in this city. Billionaires. Somebody who was doubting just said, I think he meant to say millionaires. Come on, Paul. All the, all the oil's already been found in Oklahoma. Come on. We're not the God that takes us from glory to glory. We, we serve a God that takes us from the wilderness into more wilderness. No, no, no. He's got a promised land for you. He brought Joshua and Caleb and 10 spies to go check it out while everyone was in the wilderness. And Joshua and Caleb, they came back with this good report. Their words, they said, oh my goodness, you should have, you should have seen the grapes in this place. They were huge. They were bigger than you and me. The grapes, they were massive. And the other 10 guys go, yeah, but the giants, the giants, the giants, the giants were so big. Their speech was focused on the problem. Is your speech focused on the problem or is your speech focused on the future answer? the future place. So Elijah says, go check again. All right. This is the seventh time, the seventh time. Come on, the seventh time. I've been at Victory as your pastor for four years and I'm not stopping at four. So the seventh time he comes up there and he says, uh, Elijah, I don't want you to get your hopes up. It's been really good, man. I like serving you. I know you keep saying there's a thunderstorm coming. And there's not. However, out of nowhere, a small cloud just appeared. <laughs> and I hear Zechariah the prophet saying, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise small packages, small clouds. Big rainstorms start with small clouds. Big opportunities come from small little steps it was the small steps of oral roberts to walk out on a pecan field across the street and say i see a university i see a future university that's changing the mind the body and the spirit that's preparing people to go into every man's world something good is going to happen to you today darren make no small plans here So Elijah, he says, you saw the cloud? You saw the cloud? He's got the crazy eyes. He's like, you saw that cloud? You saw that cloud? The servant's like, come on, dude, don't get excited. Just a small cloud. It, it's not anything. There's not even a sprinkle, a drop of rain. Just a small cloud. It was just a small baby in Bethlehem. It was just a small baby in Bethlehem. But little did they know that that baby was going to go and change the world in Jerusalem. It was just 12 guys that were kind of crazy on a fishing boat. But little did they know that in Acts chapter 2, a revival was on the way. See, there was just 2,000 people on a Sunday 11 a.m. service, August 26 of 2018. But I see a cloud. I see a rainstorm coming. I see a future. I see greater. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has perceived. Come on, stand up on your feet all over this place. 
I know we went late today, but let me do this right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you would stand to your feet, this will be our time right here as we end the service. I believe there's people in this room that God is stirring your vision. It's not enough to just see it in your heart. You've got to speak it with your mouth. You've got to start prophesying where you're going, that your children are healed of LD, of ADHD, of autism. Whatever it is that you've ruled God out on, He can do it. He can do it. Don't stop believing. Don't let your experience change your theology. Stay with the Word of God. Stay with the Word of God. It's powerful. God says, believe me, believe me. There's more. There's more for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're in a place right now where you need to start speaking greater words of faith over your life, I want you to lift your hand up all over this place if that's you. God was, God was just with a gentle way, a gentle breeze of just a sweet little conviction to say, start prophesying over your life. Stop complaining and start prophesying. Stop describing the pain and start prophesying the healing. God has more for you. Secondly, you're here today and you've been affected by some hurtful words in your life. It's been hard for you to move past them. But today I hear God say it's time to let it go. It's time to be washed of whatever the hurt words that have been spoken in your house, in your life. It's time to break that cycle of that language that's been going on. It's time to start speaking over yourself and over others. Words of love, words of hope. Today's a day of forgiveness and today's a day of changing the atmosphere in your house. If that's you, raise your hand. You need to let go of some words that have been spoken over you. If you raise your hand for either of those, would you just leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar right now. And if you're here today, yeah, let's cheer on every person that's coming. Today's a new day in your mouth. Today's a new day in your life. Today's a new day. I just feel like August is like a January that God's doing something new, a new beginning. He's saying, I'm ready to do a fresh work in your life. I can heal you of the words that have been spoken over you. I can bring freedom in your heart. I can give you healing. I can help your tongue to start speaking life and to stop speaking death. I believe there's someone in this room today, you need God to change your mouth. For whatever reason, you've developed some language that you know is not good. You've said some words and, and it's just become natural for you when you get hurt, when you're out on the basketball court, baseball field, at work, when something doesn't go your way, your first reaction is to just say that word. And you know, you're like, man, if I could just get better at not saying those kinds of words over myself or over others, if that's you, just make a humble step today to say, Lord, set me free of saying those words that I've been saying. Lord, help me to start speaking life. Lord, help me to start declaring life. I believe there's some daughters in the house today that you're shaking off words that your dad said. You're shaking off words that he didn't say that you wish you would have said. You're shaking off some things that you've been carrying. There's some sons in the room today. You're saying, I gotta, I gotta break this cycle. I gotta stop it. I gotta stop talking like this. I gotta stop talking to people. I gotta stop bullying people. There's some people that have been bullied in the room. 
and the words have been so hurtful. You've been contemplating decisions for your life. But today you're saying, Lord, wash those words off my mind and heart. Lord, I thank you that I'm free. God, I'm free in the mind and the heart from the words that have been spoken over me. God, I thank you, Lord, that I am not what they said I am. I am not what they said and labeled over me. I am a child of God. I am valuable. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have a future. I have a purpose. I'm not a loser. I'm more than a conqueror. Today's a new day. Today's a new day. Today's a new day. Jesus, Jesus. Let's just say this together. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all yours. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Set a guard over my lips to only speak what is good, what builds others up. Lord, help me to speak life. Help me to speak hope. Help me to speak love. I believe my best days are right in front of me. I believe everyone around me is valuable. I will speak life over those around me. I will speak life over myself. I believe I have the mind of Christ. I believe what God started in me, He will finish with a flourishing finish. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen.